Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's a great football team with a lot of moral fiber and a lot of character, and they showed it. Shout, a Buffalo football podcast, hosted by Matt Perino and Ryan Talbot. No place else you'd rather be than right here, right now. When it's too tough for them, it's just right. Presented by Syracuse.com and NYUP.com. The Bills make me wanna. What is up, everyone? Happy Wednesday night. Welcome into the program. Thank you for joining us a little bit early than usual at 7 o'clock. We are so excited for the show that we have for you tonight. Uh, Ryan Talbot is my co-host. I am Matt Perino. This is Shout Buffalo Football Podcast brought to you by Tops Friendly Markets, your, your neighborhood store with more. We are joined first by, he needs no introduction, but uh, Mr. Steve Tasker, Wall of Famer, uh, current play by or uh, color commentator for for game broadcast on the radio one bills live host i mean is there anything that you that you don't do yeah yeah <laughs> there's a lot yeah <laughs> thanks for having me on guys i appreciate it well it's we're glad we appreciate it as well uh you taking some time uh out with the family tonight uh uh we're interrupting a little bit but we, we appreciate you uh you joining us now We've been talking about reaching out to you for a couple of weeks and, and then Saturday into Sunday happened. And I was like, we have to get Steve Tasker on the show this week. And I, I heard a little bit of the show today on one bills live. You talking to bill Fickner about this uh, hype video that is just taken over bills mafia this week. I mean, it's, it's been awesome. I, I grew up a bills fan, obviously uh, the fan part of me more back in, in, in the nineties, but I feel like what you did in that video, I it was awesome. A little background for me before I get your reaction to it. I worked at the UFC for five years. And in the fight business, every event is kind of positioned around one big hype video that, you know, uh, the commercial or whatever goes out. And so I've seen millions of these over the years. I mean, right. millions. And this one was one of the coolest. What's, what's this week been like for you? Well, it's been fun. I, you know... I- the part about it that's fun is watching everybody's reaction. I mean, that's the part of it that's that's the best. I mean, uh, certainly, I mean, you're just you're kind of shooting it. I mean, I've shot a bunch of car commercials in my day. I've done a lot of TV work. So it was kind of another day. But you kind of knew that uh, you hope that this video that they put together would would strike a chord with fans. And to see 
the fun part for all of us is to see the reaction to it. And that's, it's been awesome. Uh, I don't know. I, I saw today, there's something like 1.4 million views of the darn thing. So it's, it's pretty cool to see. And um, the fun, but the no question that the fun part of it is seeing how Bill's fans react to the hype video. And it's, it's pretty rewarding. And it's not just the hype video now. The fans were demanding T-shirts. So now if you go to the One Buffalo shop, they have different style T-shirts. What did you think of the T-shirt design uh, that, that fans can now get their hands on? It's great. Hey, you know, it's great. I was all for it. It's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, it's a lot of fun doing that and um, being a part of it, having, uh, you know, just the T-shirts are awesome. It's funny, too, because, you know, I, I'm – I'm on the bills payroll. I mean, there's no, there, I'm not, it's no secret. And uh, so I'm not, you know, it's a bills thing. It's a, hopefully it's a big revenue stream for them, but I, so I don't make any money off it, but the, the fun, the funny part of it is it's going to cost me money because everybody I know thinks I can get them one. Right. So now I'm, <laughs> I'm shelling out all this money for all these t-shirts for all my friends and my family. And I feel obligated to get it for them. Right. So uh, it's going to be, it's an absolute blast. I'm, I couldn't be more happy with the, with the video. And, and like I said, the, the fan reaction has been the best part. Did you, you a fan of the Godfather movies at all? Oh yeah. There's oh, yeah. a lot. I've seen a lot of memes and a lot of fan reactions that, you know, Steve Tasker could star in, in, in the next Godfather, the way that you uh, ended that video. Yeah, we had the, the Buffalo guy, Bill Fickner, on the show today, and he said it was somewhere between The Godfather and North Tonawanda. So somewhere we fall right <laughs> in that, that wheelhouse. So it's pretty funny line by him. And it was uh, but, uh, you know, it, it uh, it's one of those videos. And I've had my friends, you know, you know, you get you get one point four million views. And it's probably only about 20,000 of us that have seen it. And we all watch it over and over again. Right. So. <laughs> That's that's the reality of it. But it, is, it has been a lot of fun. And, and you're right. It's been I, I was a little shocked by that. I, I didn't um, you know, I, I, whatever role I was playing, I felt like I was playing myself. So it, it was pretty natural. Very cool. Yeah, I was coming after the game. You know, it's always a, f a furious race. I mean, we're, we're writing stories. We're getting on the press conferences with the players. But I had seen somebody share it and I, I was able to find a few minutes to read it or to watch it. And I was like, I was blown away. It was, it was really, it was a great job. Let me ask you this though, transition a little bit to your role this season, because it's been a little bit different going into this year. You didn't anticipate to be in the booth and calling the games with, with uh, Murph, but obviously because of COVID you've stepped in and, and obviously done a great job uh, with my guy, Sal Capaccio down there on the sidelines. What's that been like, um, you know, kind of wearing all of these hats this year? It's been a lot of fun. I've enjoyed doing the games with Murph. Murph and I have been friends for, you know, three decades and, and uh, being in the booth with him, we're in the same booth every game, whether it's home or away. And the routine has been great. Murph has been great. Um, you know, Eric Wood, because of the logistics of COVID couldn't continue doing it. And uh, so they asked me to do, I said, I'll do it for as long as you need me. But, I, you know, I still consider it Eric's job and it's, you know, obviously, um, we thought the team would be good, uh, but this good was a was a pleasant surprise for all of us. And the way they've won, and the way Josh Allen has played, the way the offense has looked, and uh, as successful as they've been, uh, it's been a, it's been a gift. And it, so it's yeah, it's a little bit of serendipity uh, with all the things that have come together. And um, you know, me doing the radio show every week, every day of the week, 
has been an added bonus uh, for the broadcast and for all the things that go into it. So it's a lot of things have come together, not just the football team. You know, you mentioned Josh Allen. You've shot commercials with the man. Uh, you know him pretty well. Was there a certain point, whether it, it was on the field or just getting to know the guy, that you said, okay, there might be something special about this guy? Well, certainly he was a great guy. He's the kind of guy that, you know, we have him over the house. You know, I mean, he's great. He, he's just the kind of guy you invite home to meet mom, right? So uh, he's one of the guys that uh, just uh, straight as an arrow, uh, just a tremendous guy, great sense of humor. Uh, he's got real thick skin. He he enjoys, you know, uh, he's just a fun-loving guy. He enjoys being – he doesn't mind getting busted on, and he might – you know, he'll bust your chops in return. Uh, he's just a – he's a total, uh, total friend uh, to all the people he meets, and he, he couldn't be more genuine. And I, I made the, the line once that he's, he couldn't be more grounded if he was a mud puddle. Uh, the guy's just really got his act together. Uh, he's humble. He's hungry. He's very smart kid. Really smart. Uh, I got to know. I got to know him while we were shooting commercials, of course. Um, and just by the way he handled himself with the crew and with the things we had to get done during a shoot for a number of car commercials, um, his intelligence showed through. And that you know, so he's all of that. And I was uh, I was impressed with him, and uh, he seemed he's genuine, great, and uh, couldn't be in a better spot. Uh, he embraces the city, loves the spot he's in, and I think that's a genuine thing as well. And when he says he loves Buffalo, he's not just saying it. So um, a lot of things have come together, and a lot of confluence of events and personalities that have led to Bills getting, I think, the perfect guy for their city. You know, one of the things that I've noted on this show and in different you know mediums that. I've written on and, and appeared on video, uh, radio over the years has been the, you know, get, growing tired of, you know, defending my stance on Josh Allen, especially early on in the process, because, you know, there were a lot of things that I think a lot of folks locally, you know, when you're covering a six and 10 football te team, it's, you know, you're not getting a lot of national eyes on the product. And so, you know, we were up close and personal. I think a lot of people saw the potential in Josh Allen. And, and I was pretty high on him from the, from the jump, but going on some of these national shows, you, you kind of get the eye rolls and you kind of get some of the, you know, what are you seeing that we're not? Cause you know, they're seeing the low lights and, and all the, you know, clips that, you know, make their way around social media. But I guess my question is with Josh, the way that he's handled the doubt to me is what's been most impressive how do you feel like he's done that and remained, you know, so focused on the team goal and his own development? I think he's gotten a he's, he fell into a great coaching staff for one thing. There's no question about it. Sean and, and Brian Dayball uh, and those guys have done a phenomenal job. Ken Dorsey, even Matt Barkley, you can go that far all the way down. They have he fell into or got drafted by an organization that was fully willing to give him 100 percent support do everything they could to make sure he was getting better and everything had everything he needed to get better. Uh, that has been as big an, uh, a part of his success and his ability to kind of look past all the criticism as his hard work has been. Um, and believe me, he's worked hard. Um, even after his first year, he came back and the coaches were like, wow, it, he was a different guy. He went from 52 to almost 60%, 59% of his passes completed. And this year, you know, even us, you know, even us supporters, the, the staunch Josh Allen fans, 
uh, we're hoping he could get to 63 or 64% per completion. Well, of course, he's blown that out of the water. He's up to he's 70% completion percentage. He's thrown for 4,000 yards uh, with two games to play. Um, he's got a three to one touchdown to interception ratio. He's scored more touchdowns in the, for the team than anybody ever in the history of the team. Uh, with one more touchdown, he sets, he breaks Jim Kelly's record for th touchdown throws in a, in a season. Um, he's, he's just, he's off the charts and certainly all through that, all the, through the first three years, he has had to listen to the fact that there are a lot of people out there, a lot of national media people out there who thought he was a punchline. Uh, they thought he was a bust. They thought he was a never going to be. And now, even from the first week, uh, he in a normal year, he would be in the conversation for the MVP of the National Football League. And he is in, the, in that conversation on the outside of it. He's the only guy that's been Offensive Player of the Week four times. Uh, and, you know, if there weren't guys – you're talking about Aaron Rodgers – and Pat Mahomes as the only two other guys that are in the conversation. And, and Josh has absolutely taken a crowbar and pried his way into the conversation for MVP. Uh, he won't go away. Uh, now, certainly these last two games are a little bit problematic because one of them may be absolutely meaningless. Mm -hmm. uh, but even having said all of that, the guy's for real. He has stayed with it. He has gotten better by absolutely tangible, incremental milestones throughout his career to this point. Um, I can look back at the game that I knew the Bills had their guy was his rookie season. I believe it was the last game of the year, maybe the next to the last game of the year in Miami, where he had a hand in scoring five touchdowns. And they would have won, they lost the game, in fact. And they would have won the game had he been able to hit Robert Clay in the end zone of the tight end, uh, breaking into the front of the end zone. They would have won that game, and they would they had no business winning that game unless the guy taking snaps was Josh Allen. Uh, that's when I knew they had their guy, and he took a big step from there the next season, um, got him to the playoffs, and uh, took um, the Texans into overtime in their first playoff game. So, yeah, there's – if. If somebody's out there saying Josh Allen's not a good quarterback now, they're not watching and they're looking for clicks. Um, he's the real thing. He's a great quarterback. He's going to be great for a long time. This team's going to be good around him. Um, he's a real bona fide NFL starting quarterback who is verging here in his third year on bursting into the guys, those the, the conversation of the elite quarterbacks in the league. Steve, speaking of the team, is are there any glaring weaknesses on this team as the playoffs approach? Because when you look up and down the roster, it's truly hard to find one. There's not any glaring holes in this in this team right now. Not right now. Uh, their running game has come to life. They rushed for 182 last week and put the game away. You look at the team, they're playing against the number one defense in the National Football League two weeks ago. And they just decided to and ran off the last seven minutes and 11 seconds of the entire game. They wouldn't let the Steelers have the ball back. They absolutely crushed the clock with the running game in the last game. They ran for 192 yards against the New England Patriots. Uh, their running game has come along. Josh is thrown for 4,000 yards, and uh, you know he's got a 70% completion percentage. They, um, you know, if there was a hole in their game, if you were looking for the one thing that they could do better, you'd have to say, okay, uh, maybe they take too many penalties once in a while. 
other than that, they match up physically with everybody. And not only that, too, they're going to be getting healthier now with John Brown coming back on the field, maybe this week or uh, certainly by the end of the season. They've gotten healthier. So, yeah, there's there is no glaring weakness in this team. Um, they are this is a special this is going to be a special year for them. It's, it's certainly they're making it into a special opportunity. And um, it's going to be exciting to see them finish. And, and I've said it for year, for weeks now. You get the feeling, even with the Tennessee Titans in the mix, with the Pittsburgh Steelers, the way they were playing, uh, with Indianapolis playing as well and Cleveland's playing as well they are, you really get the feeling this Bills team is on a collision course with the Kansas City Chiefs in the AFC Championship. You know, it's funny you mention it's hard to find a weakness because I, I really don't see it. And to that point, the way that this defense has rounded into form, you know, I, I always tell people that ask me about how I believe that the, this defense is looking like the, the unit they were a year ago and years past. I look at the faces on the opposing team's quarterback at the end of each game and I and, and go watch Drew Locke in the fourth quarter, Ben Roethlisberger in the fourth quarter, Nick Mullins in the fourth quarter. There's confusion, there's frustration, and that, that's what this defense does, particularly in the secondary. Travis White is playing at the level he was at last year or maybe even better. And I think when you have that kind of secondary in this league, to your point, those are the teams that the Kansas cities of the world fear a little bit more. Yeah, absolutely. The Bills seem to be one of those teams that can score with Kansas City. They'll stay on the field with them, uh, and they'll answer them touchdown for touchdown. Their red zone offense is dynamite for the Buffalo Bills. They were playing the number one red zone team in the in the league last week in Denver, and they they lumped them up for 48 points, and they, they had two red zone touchdowns called back. Mm-hmm. They, I mean, they were scoring whenever they wanted to against – the new the uh, Denver Broncos and the Broncos had their number one red zone defense in the league. Uh, yeah, this is a team that really feels they're not. Yeah, they're going to score points. Period. And if you want to get into a 55-54 shootout, they're all about it. Um, they've got a playmaking defense that's that that's there, and this defense has started to start to take the ball away. Uh, up front, they're playing much better. Their pass pressure is getting better. Um, their secondary has been really strong throughout the year. Uh, Jordan Poyer's playing as good as any safety in the league. Their, Tredavious White's playing as good as any corner in the league. Uh, Taron Johnson has improved leaps and bounds uh, from maybe a slump in the beginning of the year. And and <laughs> nobody gets thrown at in the National Football League more than Levi Wallace. Um, that guy has got to get used to it. He's used to it. I mean, he expects the ball to come to him every time, and that gives him a little bit of an advantage, makes it lets him play better than he would have otherwise. He expects the ball coming to him because Tredavious White's on the other side of him. Uh, they've got a defense, and Milano getting back into the lineup really is playing extremely well as too. Uh, the only question with him is, will they give him you know 100% of the snaps he would have gotten had he not been hurt uh, with a pec injury? Uh, this defense is playing extremely well. Their run defense has escalated uh, since the buy, since probably about a week before they took their buy. Their run defense has really gotten it together. They're hard to run the football on. Uh, they're a great third down defense, and uh, you know that I, they really are clicking on all all cylinders. And they and it's interesting to say that now because you can see it because they weren't for the entire season. It's a team that seems to be in a long four-month crescendo, and they are peaking just when they need to peak. 
You know, talent's one thing, but uh, when you watch this team, there's so much camaraderie. You, you see the dancing on the sidelines, the celebrations, and, and it kind of rem- reminds me of way back, you know, the, the glory days of the Bills. You guys went from the bickering Bills to this really close unit, this almost family-like atmosphere. In, in your opinion, how important is camaraderie in addition to talent? It's, it's Marv used to say this, um, that the difference between the, the number one ranked team in the National Football League and the 32nd ranked 30 team in the National Football League, the difference between one and 32, between first and last, is about 2% of the total. You know, every team's got some great players on it. Uh, but where those team players are, you know, depends on how they, you know, it depends each team is different. Some teams have great defensive linemen. Some have great secondaries, great wideouts, great quarterback, great running back, you, you name it. But they're all different, but they all have great players. He says, so they're all, you know, very similar. And there's only about 2% of the total that's that you can control by what you can control. And then he made this point. He said, that 2% is 100% of the difference. And part of that, a big part of that 100%, the 2% is your culture. Um, we saw early on in the Sean McDermott era how some guy who fans didn't really know about would make a play and the entire sideline would absolutely erupt. Uh, And that comes from knowing each other and knowing each other's backstory. I mean, you know why the guy on the other side, an offensive lineman knows why a defensive back on the defense is playing as hard as he's playing because he's, he's got a a wife and two kids or he's got a handicapped child or he's got a child that's sick or he's got a dad that's sick. And you know, the, I know why he's playing because of what happened in his life. These guys are, are very, very knowledgeable about what's going on in each other's lives away from football, how they got to the point they're at. That's a thing that Sean did. And it was really extremely important to him and it's paid dividends. These guys are pulling for each other big time, not just for the team and the scoreboard that they of the game that they're actually playing in, but for their life and what it means to them to be a part of the team. Uh, that goes a long way in a game that is very physically taxing, very physically demanding, emotionally demanding, um, something that you have to invest so much of your heart and soul and effort and pain into. You know, when you got guys who you know why they do it, uh, it goes a long way toward elevating everybody to a higher level. And, uh, and it shows. You know, Earlier this year, now uh, I think it was about a month ago, um, found out again that you will uh, are semifinalists for the Hall of Fame. Congratulations, my friend! Thanks. I know Thanks. that it's uh, you know for Bills fans. Well, first let me mention this. I, I started you know getting ready for the show. You start you know googling and you know doing some research, and I came across a Facebook page that has two thousand two hundred subscribers or people that like it, and the, the page sole existence is Steve Tasker, get him into the hall. That's that's the the entire point of, of it. So I guess I, I don't have ask, any, I don't have anything to do with it. I, <laughs> I didn't know I'm not on Facebook, so that's not me. I promise. The the amount of traction on each post and the guy that runs it, he's like, all right, there's a lot of people here. Uh the, the point of the page is basically get Steve Tasker in the hall. I don't know what else you want me to post, but uh, we're going to keep posting to, to, to get him there. I mean, you, we talked about the fan base, you, you know, the connection that you have with them, sure. but I mean, I guess in your own words, what would it mean 
for a guy that, you know, you look at your career, seven all pros, seven pro bowls. I mean, everything that you did for one of the greatest dynasties in football history. I mean, what would it mean for you to, to finally get it? Well, I don't know. I, it, it would be, you know, immeasurable. I mean, that's, it's a, it's a huge thing. It's, there's no small thing to be voted in. That's why not very many guys are. And I'm, I'm, and I appreciate the attention and the conversation, but I'm pretty sure if I deserve to be in, I would probably already be there. Um, I, I've, and I'm, I've been in the conversation because I had a unique career, a very unique career. It's a, a career I wouldn't change for anything. I, I loved every minute of it. I, it's a, it's been a gift that I've carried with me forever. Um, but to get in, you know, I, it, I would be in a position like so many guys who I, I mean, all my buddies who have been in, I've, I've heard, you know, a d dozens of acceptance speeches and I would be in the same spot. I would be saying that, you know, this is just not me. There's a, there's dozens and dozens of people who've affected my life in a positive way that allowed me to be a good enough football player to be considered, let alone get inducted into this hall of fame. So, I mean, that's where I would be. Uh, but I'm, I would probably stand on what I just did. If I was good enough to get in, I would probably already be in, but it doesn't mean I don't appreciate the conversation. And I, and I'm really touched by, you know, fans who, who think that I, that who followed me and continue to follow me and appreciate me and who bring up plays that they remember about my career. I mean, it's, it's touching. There's no question about it. Um, but you know, I'm, I tell, I tease Bruce and Thurman and Jim and Andre and those guys, they keep telling me they're trying to get me into the hall of fame. I keep telling them don't do, don't work too hard. Cause you know, I got it pretty good. Now getting in the hall of fame may mess it all up for me. Right. So <laughs> I like where I'm at right now. So I, I, and we kind of have a laugh about that, but it's, it's, it's obviously an honor to be in the conversation. Uh, if it happens for me, uh, nobody will be more happy than I am. Believe me. But, uh, I'm I I can't I'm I'm too busy and my life is too full to be wrapped up in it. You, you know, you mentioned how the fans really uh, appreciate your career, but it's not just the fans. Uh, on Monday, the Bills will take on the Patriots, and, and they have a really great special teams player in yeah. Matthew Slater. And Matthew Slater has gone as far as to say, I'm not sure I would have a career in the NFL if it wasn't for a guy like Steve Tasker. So when you hear players that are that are in the league today, nine time Pro Bowler in Matthew Slater. What does that mean to you? Well, I remember, I, I appreciate it. And it's great to hear him say that. I, I've noticed him from the beginning of his career, how good he has been. And, and, and I can tell you guys early in my career that I watched on other teams who were great players, guys like Bill Bates and Mossy Tatupu, uh, who in particular, Mossy was in our division in new England. And uh, I became acquainted with him and, and God rest his soul. He was, he was a tremendous player. So there, there have been guys before me who, um, you know, were the same with me as I am with Matthew Slater. It's a, it's a great generational, you know, circle of life that goes on in the NFL where old players mentor young players and inspire young players. And those young players get old and they inspire and empower and in turn, you know, be our mentors for younger players coming in again. So, uh, I'm glad to be a part of that, and and I'm I'm very flattered that Matthew thinks the, that of me. Um, I've watched him play a ton, and he's a really good player. And and um, perhaps perhaps it won't be you know me who goes in the Hall of Fame. It'll be Matthew Slater, perhaps. And and I'm all for it. He's a great player. 
Well, Steve, uh, we're not going to take up much more of your time here. I wanted to give you a chance to let everybody know where to find you. And also, shout out this unbelievable Bills content team that is just churning out some great stuff. Michelle Girardi Zumwalt, obviously. If you don't know her, I mean, you find her on Twitter. Uh, she She's really interactive with Bills Mafia. She continues to lead a team full of talented folks that are putting out great stuff. Just today, they put out uh, the, uh, the 12 days of Christmas and, right. uh, very entertaining, but you know, your team, where people can find you and, and just anything you want to say. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate it. I'm on Twitter at Steve Tasker 89. Uh, I'm on the live on radio for three hours a day with a really talented guy, Chris Brown, who has been with the bills for a decade and a half. And only just now has had actually got a chance to do the radio side of it. He and I are doing the radio show one bills live noon till three, uh, you can listen to us on WGR Sports Radio 55, or you can get us on the radio.com app. We're on all the t- we, we're on all the time, <laughs> and it's all Bills all day, all NFL for three hours from noon to three every day. That's it, and and uh, it's been a real gift to me um, to have a relationship with that with the Bills. Um, I uh, I left CBS uh, now two years ago or two and a half years ago after a two decade long career with CBS sports doing games from the booth. And uh, it's great to be at home doing games, doing one team every week, a team that I love and have a relationship with. So it's been a real gift for Kim and Terry uh, to allow me to be a part of the organization the way they have. Uh, I'm really, we do some, we have a great show. We love the, the radio show. One bills live. We also do a podcast one bills light. That is the best interview of the week that we do on this radio show that it comes out. You can catch that on the same, on the same platforms of bills.com and buffalobills.com and all that. So, uh, but I, um, I really would say this, um, the organization that I work for the bills uh, after, you know, 17 years of a drought playoff drought and to have the Pagulas take over, hire Sean McDermott and Brandon Bean and to support them in the way they have, uh, is a testament to um, it's a testament to their commitment and their intelligence and their grace and their ability to lead. So Terry and Kim have done a great job. Uh, Sean and Brandon have done a phenomenal job with with Kim and Terry, and the organization is absolutely positively on a steep climb. Uh, they have done absolutely everything right and for the right reasons, and. Uh, it is uh, it's fun to be a part of. So this this it, I, the best part about this Bills season. And I know it's a special season for a lot of people, but I would think about it like this: It's not just a special season that's going to drop out of out of heaven and we can all enjoy it. It seems to be the start of an era that will do everything and rival the '90s teams of the early '90s with Jim Kelly, Thurman Thomas, Bruce Smith, Andre Reed, Cornelius Bennett, Daryl Talley, and those guys. I think this team is on the verge of an era that Bills fans are going to be very proud of. Well said, Steve Tasker. Thank you so much. Go get back to your family and have a great week. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas, guys. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Anytime. Take care. Ready for football? Tops is with ready to serve fan favorites. Everyone will cheer for delicious family or party packs like pizza, sliders, fried chicken, barbecue, or beef on whack. Starting at only $4 per serving. Perfect for game day and any day. Only at Tops. Vic Carucci, my buddy, my uh, my my press room buddy. I feel like I haven't seen you in years. How are you? 
Oh no, we don't got your audio. We don't got your audio. Let me see here. Did I did I mute you? Oh no, no, we don't we can't hear you. Um while Vic works on his audio, he is Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News. He again needs no introduction, just like our, our last guest, Steve Tasker. Uh, we are going to get into um, a lot of Bills topics, hopefully with Mr. Carucci tonight, with this Bills football team sitting at 11 and three, and you know, number one in the AFC East. Ryan, what, what, what where are we sitting right now? Because this is a we're going to talk about this Patriots game a little bit. We're gonna we're gonna talk about potential for you know some shows coming up here in the next couple of days. But you know, on a Wednesday ahead of a Patriots game that. You know, it's kind of different. It's kind of weird. What do you think? Uh, I think you said it. I think weird is the word. It's just been a a complete 180 from where we've been in years past. We were just talking uh, before the show. ESPN puts out those video packages for every game and uh, Bills versus Patriots Monday night. Other than saying the name Patriots, that's like the only mention for that team. It's all Bills highlights. It's all Bills clubs. And when you look at the seasons, it makes sense. The Bills are 11-3. and They're the number two seed in the AFC uh, whereas you have the Patriots, who have been eliminated from the playoffs, which, you know, first time, I believe, since uh, 2008 is what they said last week. Uh, so it's just been a changing of the guard. It's been, you know, a little surreal to see how, how things are. But, you know, Buffalo, as of right now, still has plenty to play for. They can lock up this number two seed and possibly not only host one playoff game come January, but two if all things go right. So, that is huge for the Bills here with two weeks left to play. Yeah, we put out a story uh, yesterday on the the scenario this weekend where the Bills can wrap up the number two seed, and it consists of three things. The Tennessee Titans have to lose, playing the Green Bay Packers. The Pittsburgh Steelers have to lose. They're playing the Indianapolis Colts. And the Bills have to beat the six and eight New England Patriots. And voila, you have two home playoff games for the Buffalo Bills and a chance to – Rest your starters against Miami in a very interesting scenario where, you know, the Baltimore Ravens play two kind of, you know, easy games here down the stretch, the Giants and the Bengals. I don't think that, you know, that's striking fear into anybody in Baltimore right now. And if they win those two games and Miami, there's a couple scenarios. If you play with the, uh, the, what's it called? The uh, ESPN playoff. Yes. Go play that because there's a couple scenarios that I think people will, um, You'll see the Cleveland Browns, if they lose one of two, there's a scenario the Ravens get in, and then also if Miami doesn't win out. Um, we're going to try to get Vic back in here. Let me see if uh, I can do uh, can I, if I can do two things at once, which sometimes is a struggle. Are we back? Oh, no, I can't hear you. Um, there's like a little there's like a little three, uh, three dots in the bottom right-hand corner. See if you can add some type of audio. We're going to get it. We're going to get it. Um, but what are your thoughts, Ryan? You think that they, they do wrap this up on uh, this weekend or what do you think? I think it's one of those scenarios where everything, I don't want to say favors the Bills because any given Sunday, but they're all realistic possibilities in terms of the outcomes of those games. Uh, and perhaps what I like most about it is you mentioned the ESPN playoff simulator. How nice is it for Bills fans not to be clicking on games to figure out scenarios to get into the playoffs? You're already in. You're locked in to the playoffs, and now you, you could possibly be that number two seed. So, again, just like I was saying, a little bit surreal that we're sitting here two weeks left to play, and we already know they're in. But now it's just kind of playing around with it to see how do they lock down that number two seed. Yeah, a couple updates from practice today. Um, John Brown is 
uh, practicing. He looked good out there. He was, he was running routes. Uh, we weren't, we didn't really see a lot of teamwork. Uh, so I don't know how much he's actually getting involved in that part of things. Do, do I hear you, Vic? No, nothing. All right. Um, but really Ryan, it continues to be this. One of the main storylines here is health. I mean, the bills are the healthiest they've been all year. They're going into a, a stretch where there's a potential for an off week, week 17 to prepare for the playoffs. And they just keep get, getting healthier and healthier. I mean, obviously, you know, look at the injury report, you know, Steph and Tredavious, Stefan Diggs, Tredavious White appear this week. They practice today. Daryl Williams and Andre Roberts didn't practice, but the totality of it all, it seems like they're. Test. Um, oh, there we go. There, yeah, we can yeah. hear you. All right, I changed. So this is not meant to be a lame excuse. Um, earlier today, I had to do a uh, similar to it's similar software or whatever to you guys uh, with uh, Channel Two, and they have a whole different setting. When and and one of their technical guys said, anytime you use this setting, you got to like clear the cache or whatever, because it'll stay in there and remember that. So I think that's what I had to do. I am not totally unsavvy with tech technology, but obviously I need uh, more, uh, more learning. Listen my friend. I, we've been doing this show for almost 10 months now. And if I could tell you all the technical issues we've had <laughs> ourselves, I mean, we could fill a book. Uh, we're glad oh. that we have you audio and everything else. Like I said, I miss you, man. How are you? I, I'm first of all, yes, you, let's start there. Miss you too. Obviously, Ryan, I, you know, would see this is the whole thing. And it's true with all walks of life, but the, our group, I mean, covering the team, um, one of the best parts of doing this job, and I've done it now for 42 seasons, uh, <laughs> is the camaraderie from the Larry Felsers and Milt Northrup's many, many years ago. Uh, John Murphy, when he was at WBEN, Van Miller, all of those Rick Azar, I'm throwing all these old man names out there that I'm not sure how many of the audience, you know, the audience knows or remembers, but to you and you and I generally sat next to each other and it wasn't just, yeah, we talked football, but I think the fun of what we did was the kibitzing and, and all that other stuff. And, and uh, me saying, uh, recommending restaurants that you would say, you'd get all fired up and say, yeah, I'm going to take my family and go there and then never go. And, you know, and, and you, that was our little inside thing. That we did. Do you know the, the, the universe has shut me now because now I can't go. Come you, said, you didn't listen to Vic for two and a half years and now you're screwed. And now you're screwed. And I, and I also find out, of course, uh, and, and this is where the, uh, the aging of, of, you know, my aging uh, comes into play is when uh, I find out that uh, I think it was your wife went to high school with my older daughter at, at Will North. So, uh, but wonderful. Um, you, you, you help keep me young as, as do the others on the beat, mostly uh, many of them, some of them younger than my own kids, but it's, um, it's great. I, yes, I, this is, uh, it, it's been a heck of an adjustment. I, covering a team from a distance. And that's what we're all doing, right? And this type of setup is really our daily thing. Uh, and I feel as if I, 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 you can do the job and I think you can do it more than a decent job, but I don't feel I know this team as well as I would know it being around it. I can't, I'd be lying if I said, oh, you have a great feel for who these guys are. I've never had a face-to-face -face conversation with Stefan Diggs or, you know, or, or Zach Moss or some of the, you know, Gabe Davis. Talked with them a whole lot this way, but that's not the same as, as you know, as interacting. 
to your point, and I, Ryan, I want you to get to the next thing, but I want to bring this up because it's interesting. I think all of us, you know, the beat guys that are that have been in the room and get a chance to kind of be around the team in in different environments. Training camp offers a really natural, really laid back way to get it, to know them. I I noticed a few kind of snafus in the Zoom environment early on. I know I had a weird exchange with Josh Norman early on. I know that I think you had one with Stefan Diggs. Mm-hmm. New guys in the situation where it's like. I think those would not have happened in a normal year when you get a chance to get in front of somebody and have a conversation with them. It's just this weird divide that I feel like it just, it, it makes the relationships different to your point. Yeah. Well, relationships are based on trust and it's harder to develop that any level of that trust. I mean, it, it, there's always the foundation of you're on this side of it, doing your journalistic thing. And they're on that side, they're, they're players, they're coaches, and it's, it's not meant to be a, while it can be, I think, and hopefully a, a friendly working environment, it is that, is a working environment. And the pros understand you have a job to do, but I think that generally players will enter it with, until you prove trustworthy, um, I'm not going to trust you because you're the media. You can burn me quickly. It happens. It happens in all forms, not just the NFL or sports. Um, so getting to know you and and sometimes conversations that, and this is what I miss greatly is, uh, and, and miss them even more, even before COVID is in an era when there's so much appointment conversation in the locker room, you only get a certain amount of time. When I covered Steve Tasker, for instance, and Kelly and those Bills teams, and even before that, going back to the uh, early 80s, um, they were, you could you could hang out. There was no limit. You spent time. You were free to roam basically the building. You walked in and out of coaches' offices. It was the environment was so different. But and I'm not doing the in the good old days thing. I'm just telling you the realities of what was and what is. But now with this additional layer of of distance between us and them and who we cover, uh, yeah, you 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 struggle to get that trust. And just what you're saying. You know, Stefan Diggs, uh, I remember that interview where I, I the question had to be asked. It was his first chance of uh, first opportunity talking with the media. And this guy got his way out of Minnesota. There's no question about it. Brandon Bean said, for the record, he saw an opening because of his tweets and such uh, to pursue the trade. And when when asked about that, he, he you could you knew it would be a sensitive thing. It could hit a nerve. Uh, but he he answered it however he answered it. I still think that he's come to warm up to this team in ways that he didn't have in Minnesota by far. You know, you mentioned you've covered the NFL for over 40 years now, and you mentioned Steve Tasker is one of those players that you covered extensively. Once again, named a semifinalist for the Hall of Fame. Uh, in your opinion, what makes him so deserving to get into Canton? Yeah, well, I'm a, I'm a Hall voter. And uh, I, you know, <laughs> I'll tell you, I am, part of me is anxious. It's, it's anxiety and, and, and half dread about what's coming up. And that would be January 6th. That's the day that the hall is going to announce the finalists. So Steve and Cornelius Bennett are on that semifinalist list. And, and that's the, that's the mountain, whatever you want to climb is to get, uh, I certainly I want to see both of them in that role. Um, and previously, when Steve has been at this point, 
you know, I felt great, but, uh, but I also felt like, okay, the more push is, is needed to get him there as much as I can do that. And, um, you, <laughs> you, you just feel a great duty and responsibility to try to make that happen for him because of what it means. He's deserving to answer specifically what you asked me, Ryan, because he single single handedly defined the role of gunner of cover guy and played it in ways that changed games that he was a true if the definition of a hall of famer is is great enough at his position to be a a game changing factor and someone the the other team has to respect and handle and game plan for Steve Tasker's that guy in every possible way. And it's not just hearing from the people you would expect to support him, Marv Levy and Jim Kelly and his team Thurman, Andre. It's hearing from um, other, you know, from opposing coaches. Uh, Don Shula wrote a tremendous tribute that I kept and, of course, have shared with the other voters uh, in, in talking about how the Dolphins, how he drove them crazy. Uh, most recently, and I'm, I'm not speaking out of school here because uh, we are there are certain things we, we don't share in terms of the process, but uh, Mike Westhoff, you know that name, one of the all-time great special teams coaches in the league, and he's retired now, and I said, and I reached out to him, I said, Mike, would you, would you be okay with doing a letter of endorsement for Steve Tasker, you know, in this, now that he's reached the semifinal round, and he, it was amazing what he wrote. Um, it blew me away, hopefully. It will blow away uh, the others, uh, the other voters. And Cornelius Bennett, same thing. Uh, endorsements and such out there as well. Very deserving of this honor. And uh, hopefully, it's going to happen. I, 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 again, there's. I'm. You brought that up, and I'm. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep tonight because I'm going to be thinking about this again. And January sixth is is pounding in my head because that's that's the key date. Now, do you you present every year? Like how do how does it take take people in it? Because I think I mean I cover the NFL. I'm not really super familiar okay. with the process of it. Sure. So how it works is uh, each NFL city has a representative. Before me, it was Mark Gone, uh, who who is one of the all time greats oh, of yeah. our business, and and I'm just blessed to work with him and Jay Skursky uh, and Jason Wolf. I'm not leaving anybody out. Uh, but but the uh, the voters, and then before Mark, it was Larry Felser. So Mark handed me the baton, and uh, when I returned to the news, I'd been with the Cleveland Browns for a bunch of years and then came back to, uh, to the news. And it, what it involves is you, you have these vote, these, you know, they, they, they call them the, um, you vote down, you bring down their cuts at each level. So it starts in the hundreds, and then it gets down to a final 15. So we're at 25 trying to get to 15 right now. It's all done electronically. The uh, you know the actual voting will happen virtually. Uh, normally, we we are in a room the morning before the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. uh, at early morning, it's crack of dawn. Meeting starts at seven on time, seven a.m. Whatever time zone you're in, and uh, in a usually in a big banquet room at a hotel in the Super Bowl footprint. Uh, so you, but but again, it's different this year, like everything else. Um, but what you do at this stage is you are communicating with all the other voters. The deadline's over as far as the time you had to cast your vote, again, electronically, to, to get uh, your vote to 15, okay? And 
and, and you submit that, we all submitted those. Before those are cast, you can lobby for your for for anyone. And by the way, you don't have to necessarily be in the city of that player to do lobbying. Lobbying can be done on behalf. It's even stronger when it comes from other voters. Uh, and I and yes, we all talk with each other. Uh, we encourage others to you know we make our case to them, the other voters, and hope they hear us and 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 agree. Uh, and get aboard. Sometimes they don't. Sometimes they'll tell you flat out, no way you're going to convince me that player X is in. I just don't see it. Um, the challenge with Steve is obvious. And you, I think I heard you guys ask him, and uh, I don't agree that he says, if I was deserving, I'd already be in. I, I'm, I'm, you know, It's a nice thing for him to say, but I wholeheartedly disagree. He is deserving as anybody, uh, but he's humble. But the point is, he plays special teams. And what happens with vote, there's a prejudice. It's a built-in prejudice. That's why there are only a couple of kickers in there, right? Jan Stenerud and, and Anderson, uh, why uh, you've seen uh, Morton Anderson and why you've only seen Ray Guy as a punter. Um, cover people are not position guys. And, and a Hall voter will ask, if I put in cover guy, tasker, what position guy am I taking? What linebacker is going to, am I going to leave off my ballot? What receiver, what, you know, and, and so forth, what quarterback um, it, it tends to be that decision, that tough decision that will be made. But I hope, I hope that challenge happens when he's on that list of 15, because that means he's in the discuss. That means that vote, that next vote to get in the hall follows that. This is the eighth time for him, right? As a semi, as a, uh, a yeah, as a semi-finalist, semi. We haven't gotten him. So the other term you'll be familiar, well, make you familiar. We call it get in, get his, get him in the room. In the room, which again will be virtual this year, but in the room means his name is part of the presentation that happens at that again traditionally has been the day before the Super Bowl. So have you gotten seven phone calls saying like, Vic, come on, man, what are you saying about me here? Can you push a little bit harder? Um, you know, you know, no, I'm, I'm glad you say that you've mentioned that because let's just talk Steve and there've been other, obviously other guys and, and Mark, I compared notes with Mark because he's been the most recent and, and Mark has been as good at this as anybody. And by the way, I'm, I consult him, uh, in this whole process because he was of course the guy trying to push Steve over that goal line too and others. And he's been, he's been successful with others. Um, you hear from, fans, of course, social media galore, uh, the, the occasional texts, a lot of emails um, who are supportive of them. And, and I listen and I take it all in. They're preaching to the choir. I'm not in disagreement. I know and I love that some of them think I wield more power than I think I actually do because I'm part of it's one of 48 voters. And that's the reality. Right. So it's a it is a true uh, democratic process small D, uh, democratic process, but that's what it is. I just saw a shot to take a shot. So I took a shot because <laughs> I, I miss you. And I, I usually would just reach over the aisle and give you a little elbow, but you know, that's the you, best you can do. Yeah. And, and you were, and that's the other thing you were doing. You were kind of infringing on my space and now I'm not used to having to do this all the time because you know, you, you take up a room. Vic bills are 11 and three currently the number two seed in the AFC. What is the best scenario for them on wildcard weekend in terms of who they could match up and play in your opinion? 
And are they on a, a collision course with the Kansas City Chiefs, in your opinion? So the first question, we did a um, for the Buffalo News, sort of like a panel discussion thing with, again, with Mark Gaughan, with uh, Jason uh, and Jay Skursky and, and myself. We, we wrote our, I think it was like three paragraphs we were asked to do for the Buffalo News and, and, uh, and offered up. I was a little surprised that one of us just didn't deviate and say something other than what apparently was obvious, Miami. Uh, because I, and I do think the Dolphins are the best, would be the best matchup. I don't think there's a, I say that also adding, there is no team that is too much of a challenge for the Bills, in my view. Uh, the path is clear to, to, in my view, to Kansas City, where they'll like, that's where the road to the AFC road goes through, I think, to get to Tampa. And the thing with Miami is, you've got a rookie quarterback and we've seen this before in the postseason. rookie quarterbacks look more like rookies than ever. Uh, and I give Tua Tungavailoa a, a lot of credit for what he's done. And I think he's going to be a really good quarterback. I don't know if he'll be great. It's way too early for that, but I see a guy who is still has learning to do on the job as all rookies should and do. Uh, he has some, some da dangerous qualities that I still think that, Defense can handle. And I think there's a Brian Dayball factor here. Brian Dayball knows this kid inside out, can be very helpful in the preparation with uh, with Leslie Frazier and with Sean McDermott. And uh, there, there's there's still a it, it, there's still a newness for the Bills to some degree, playoff pressure, but I think it's going to be a lot greater for would be a lot greater for Miami. Uh, and yes, Kansas City, it's Kansas City and Buffalo on the collision course, in my view. And I and I see no reason why they can't. I I think they're the better team. I think Buffalo's the better team. I know they they lost that head to head. I think there were a lot of promising elements to that game for Buffalo, the way they handled uh, that defense generally. And yes, Mahomes and and all that in company, Kelsey, they're they're beasts. But I do I think the Bills have enough answers. I really do. I tend to agree with you, um, but you mentioned Brian Dable there, and I want to get into him a little bit. Sure. We heard from plenty of folks today, uh, jokingly, Cole Beasley and Stephon Diggs today refusing to pitch their offensive <laughs> coordinator to potential head coach hirers. Um, they did not want to uh, sing his praises too much. Stephon Diggs got a little bit more into what he's meant to him, but Cole Beasley and I think going back to last year, you could see the relationship between Beasley and, and Dable and and how that grew and Cole Beasley setting a career high in touchdowns and the opportunities in this offense. Of course, he wants him to stay. But, you know, the likelihood is that, you know, he as as well as Leslie Frazier, I mean, they're going to be two hot names, uh, you know, on the head coaching market. I guess to start off with, where do you think his fit is and where are you at? Because I have some thoughts on this. It, in terms of if he's going to leave? Well, I think he's gone. Uh, I, I think it's fait accompli. He is, he is going to be a head coach. I think uh, there is a market for him that just as there generally is for offensive oriented coaches and the success that he has had with this team. It isn't just this year. It, it has been in the making. Uh, you, you track his career, his, not his career, you track his, um, momentum toward a head coaching job from Josh's rookie year. 
And he is guiding an offense that has one first rounder. And you know who that is, Josh Allen. And that has, you know, that, that is, that is screaming off of his resume. Team owners want offensive minded guys, want quarterback fixers, want miracle people who have a magic touch, who, who can do all, who they believe can do all the things that usually is unrealistic to, to expect, but that's how they think. And they'll spend the money for coaches. They'll pay other coaches that they've hired and fired to not work for them because they can do it. There's no salary cap on that. And the, these are, this is a billion, multi-billion dollar industry. And the most money that is, I mean, obviously most money is spent on players, but player players are covered by TV contracts, basically that salary portion and, and have a cap coaching is there's no limit and they will, he, he will be the hot candidate. He has got uh, one of the very best agents in the business in Bob Lamont, Sean McDermott's agent, Leslie Frazier's agent, uh, you know, right down the line. He's got also Joe Shane on that staff. And uh, he, he is, he is just killer when it comes to putting these, marrying these assistant coaches with, you know, with Josh, Sean McVeigh in LA. I mean, Bob is very, Bob and his crew are very, very, very good at that. I know him really well. And Brian is, is ready. Brian, Brian has been coaching for this moment and it's going to happen for him. So let me, uh, let me just get to this, Ryan, because, and and if you want to react to this and take it from here, that'd be great too. And I want Vic's thoughts. A couple of things keep popping up to me, you know, when I'm thinking about, you know, the opportunities and you mentioned that he is the the guy, I mean, I'm wondering if Eric Bieniemy isn't kind of ahead of him. And so if he ends up having to kind of take that second job or however it ends up turning out, you know, you go back to his past and you look at the experience that he had in New England and the rough road that there was for Josh McDaniels when he went out and tried to be a head coach so much. So it went so poorly that he's kind of spurned a couple opportunities since then, uh, you know, Indianapolis. And, and, and I think there was another one in there that I wonder if that gives him any pause because of how good the situation is here. The fact that, you know, there are a couple, you know, the Chargers job to me as an offensive guy, that's the one I would want if I was Brian Dable. You still don't know what's going to happen with the Jets. The the entire culture there uh, is a little bit alarming to me. I'm just wondering if all of these like little pieces couldn't keep him here if, A, the Bills paid him more money, and B, just the comfort level that he has, not only with the offense, but within the staff and within the organization and being from Buffalo in the community. Right. Yeah. Er, er, Matt, everything, everything you say and laid out, you know, is sound. There's, there's, no, there's no, nothing unsound about what you say. But the realities are this. He wants to be a head coach. And head, nothing compares to that. Uh, a pay raise – or whatever, paying him like a head coach, and that's not going to happen. There is a structure. Sean McDermott's at the high, one of the highest paid levels of coaches in this league with this extension that he got back before the season. Uh, Brian Dayball, as a head coach, may not necessarily see that with contract one as a head coach, but the distance between where he is now and where that is, he's going to come darn close, and, and there's that. It's not just the money. It's the it's the the idea of achieving of climbing that Mount Rushmore as a coach. You aspire to be that. He's worked his entire life 
he, you know, his he came out of St. Francis, you know, dreaming of the opportunity that is before him. And had he been able to been hired by the Browns before they went with Kevin Stefanski last year and they interviewed him last year, and I'm told he did an incredible job. I know that I again I worked for the organization, Jimmy Haslam, D. Haslam. They loved what Brian did, but they were they were kind of fixated on Stefanski, and they just thought at that point Stefanski had the edge, and they made a heck of a hire. Uh, but as far as the situation here, it is great for him. He's part of why it's been great. And I'm sure knowing Brian and the confidence, and you, and you know, you've been around, there's a confidence level that Brian has that he's going to do the same thing for another team, another offense, and, you know, culture, all those things. He comes in and builds that. Um, don't forget about Houston and Deshaun Watson. Don't forget about some teams that have some really good QB situations that are going to look for head coaches and it could be upwards of eight opportunities. Eric Bieniemy, you mentioned, uh, will be, I think, and should be a, a viable candidate for one of these openings as well. But I think I think Brian's going to have his his pick as well. I can't I can't really put a number to it, but one of them is going to be the right one for him as he goes through the interview process. And um, it, it's I know this. You know, Bills fans don't want to hear it. They want to say, no, we got to hang on to him and the players. The players know the reality too, just as they can leave and have left in free agency. And, you know, Stefan Diggs is, is on a, is on his second team. He knows that they, they know they, they said Cole Beasley said it to me too. He said, I, I, I told Brian, uh, you can't go anywhere. You've got to stay here. They love him and they love what he's done for, for, for their careers. What do players want guys? They want the, what do they want from the coach? Put them in the best position to succeed. He does that. And you kind of mentioned it's hard to kind of rank the jobs, but is there a, a one team maybe in your mind that does make the most sense in terms of a fit? You know, Matt mentioned the charges, Justin Herbert, Austin <laughs> Eckler. You have some talent there. Houston, Deshaun Watson. I'm going to throw out another team that hasn't uh, fired their head coach yet, but I think would be a great fit. Jacksonville Jaguars, young running back, DJ Chark. And right now they're the front runners for Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. So, you know, it might come down to how he feels about a, a specific quarterback, but in your mind, is there one fit that's better than the rest? I, I, Ryan, I don't think so necessarily. I, I, I hear like we can handicap it because it's what we do. We're gonna, we're gonna break it all down. He will to some extent, but ultimately, there's, there's more to it than just the feel of what the situation is. Quote on paper. Think. Let's think back to Sean McDermott. What was the situation he inherited from Rex Ryan? Um, Quarterback-wise, there was nothing. I mean, not to say Tyro, uh, you know, uh, not to suggest that with Tyrod Taylor, they had nothing, but they didn't have a franchise guy. Even Rex would tell, you know, that he, he would say that. And, and Anthony Lynn, even though he had him with the Chargers, it wasn't an ideal situation. He was a placeholder for the next guy. They knew they were going to get a next guy. He also knew he had a lot of building to do, and look at what he's done. Brian Dayball's his second offensive coordinator, right? Um, so he, you you have to go – you have to get the job first, see, assess the situation, and frankly, would you guys agree, Sean and Brandon Bean have remade, reinvented what One Bill's Drive is culturally. There was rampant dysfunction in that entire building. It got cleansed. By them, I think I think they've got it to a point like I've not seen it in 
in the longest time. I mean, they really, uh, they, they've been so important just beyond what you see on the field to getting it to a place where their impact could be made on the field. And so I think Brian has that in his mind too. And, and frankly, I know this from just, I've had a lot of conversations with Bob Lamont. What his clients do is they, they don't just come in with a book of, this is all my brilliant X's and O's I'm going to show you. This is how, how we're going to have a quarterback throw for 4,000 yards and four touchdowns, uh, I mean, uh, 30, 40 touchdowns. We're, it's, it's, a, it's a top-to-bottom structural situation. And the other vital point to this is what? General manager. So find the right person. And we've heard this story. We've heard them retell the story. I don't think McDermott and Bean were necessarily joined at the hip as much as people thought coming in, meaning that, yes, they were they 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 knew each other. They were friends. They hung out and all this. But there was a notion that Sean got in. My buddy Brandon's going to come with me. Brandon Bean independently convinced the Pagulas that he was right for his role. And then through the course of the job, he and Sean had to learn about each other as head coach and GM. It was a, it, that was part. You want to talk about process? That was a big part of the process. Something happened. Um, thank you for joining the Shout Football Podcast. Everybody that's watching across Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, uh, special guest tonight, Vic Carucci from the Buffalo News. I didn't even get a chance to give him a, a proper intro. You can find him, you know, the Buffalo News, you know, the BN Blitz. He does serious satellite radio every Saturday. We actually got lucky tonight, and he didn't have to get fill in over there, so we got you on the show here tonight. Um, but you do cover the NFL you know, you, you cover the Bills, obviously, on the beat, but you also cover the league, and you've done so for a long time. There's one thing that happened this week that I want to get your take on, and it's something that from the moment I first saw it, the video was posted right before the Pittsburgh game, Juju Smith-Schuster oh. dancing on the the, the logo. I, I just thought, like, any, you know, self-aware person that has either been around the NFL, watched the NFL, watched sports, knows that that specific behavior – is going to get you in some type of trouble. I mean, you're asking for it. And when I saw the video after the game of the Bills taking, you know, issue with it and Josh Allen saying, let them dance, we're going to go out and work. And just the way that this storyline has played out and almost like, you know, the, the, the nose up at it from Juju Smith-Schuster and even some other people that have come out to support him. And obviously now Mike Tomlin has put his foot down, it seems, and he's not going to do the dance anymore. But it just seems like the bit – they got rid of Antonio Brown, who was this big distraction and the issues with Ben Roethlisberger and Juju Smith-Schuster was kind of built or framed as this next number one. Without Antonio Brown, I don't even think he's been the number one receiver, you know, type of production that would warrant this kind of distraction. Right. I think he's making it pretty easy for the Steelers to ultimately part ways if if there's a continued if the production doesn't go in the right direction and look, they, they've been on a steady slide uh, and he's, it's not just Ben. A lot of people are culpable from that standpoint. Yes. Some key defensive injuries have contributed, but they're, they don't look right. They don't look like a team that should have 11 wins at all. And I, I felt that going before. So you mentioned Sirius XM NFL radio. We, uh, my co-host, so I do a regular Saturday show there, and and uh, Dan Leverfeld, my co-host, we were we were do we do our our game breakdowns and picks. We were talking about the Steelers before they played Washington, and I I had after I saw that Baltimore 
Tuesday, that what was it a Wednesday afternoon game? And I said, okay, maybe it's because it's Wednesday afternoon. Maybe I'm making excuses for them. And then I realized, what am I doing? They're not. Maybe they're just not as good as you think they are. And I started to go back and look at some of their games before this Washington game. Then we got in the air. I said, I can see this team losing a couple in a row and maybe more just because they don't look right. And I'm not Nostradamus. It's just when you have a bad feeling about a team and then you see what they did against Washington or didn't do. And then, of course, you see the Bills game. And I give Bills full marks, full credit for that win. I'm not taking a thing away. But they were beating the team that we, a lot of us, thought was a lot better going into that game. And then that that Cincinnati, they looked disinterested. And Ben Roethlisberger looks like a guy who had a surgically rebuilt elbow, throwing elbow. And I maybe you only get so many throws out of a rebuilt elbow. In your opinion, what's the, the Bills' floor in terms of floor and ceiling? floor in the, in i'm sorry ryan in what, in the, question in the comments and i okay. kind of just threw it oh okay the they're okay that's okay uh I, i'll i mean i'll interpret it this way it, their floor is uh, get to the afc champion getting to the afc championship game this is how i'll answer that i think this is what maybe what the questioner wanted uh but i i believe there is the ceiling is high it, it, it they can they can win a Super Bowl, not just get to a Super Bowl, in my opinion. I don't – I look at the NFC. There's nothing that is so daunting to me that they can't handle. Now, when I say this, I'm not just saying it that there's – there's oh, there's crappy teams everywhere so they could win. That's not what I mean at all. I mean at their level of how they are playing. Uh, I, I see – and I'm trying to draw on – you know, and I, I, I love listening to a good portion of your interview with Steve – those obvious comparisons, because I covered all those Super Bowl teams. There is a lot in common here. There is a lot of that had the the, the no huddle K gun dominant offense, right? That was just you, it looked unstoppable all in almost every game. Jim Kelly and the boys, um, and the defense played well enough. It wasn't it wasn't great, but it was again like this one, good enough, opportunistic when it had to be. Nate Odoms and company. Uh, Bruce and Cornelius and Daryl, but I uh, the the maybe the major common denominator is coaching is Marv Levy and and Sean McDermott. I think Sean is a latter day Marv in so many ways, so many ways, and he's the biggest thing Marv was able to do. He did it a little differently. He did it with quoting Winston Churchill, and he did it with Walt Whitman poems. And play, and then he'd have to stop. And when he had all these blank looks on his face in a meeting room, he'd tell Thurman, you know, look it up, Thurman, uh, you know, and look it up for everybody else. Uh, when when they wouldn't understand what the heck he was talking about, but they, but what they did understand was he connected with them. And there was a in this love and family thing you we all hear in this current Bills team that that was there. It it grew, bickering Bills thing, and I it was a phrase I coined when I when I wrote it and. Thurman called me out for it, and um, in, in, in public, I mean, did it. It was like on ESPN or somewhere. And my You've been daughter, going at it with players for decades. My, my daughter, well, no, not often, but my daughter, who's who's now uh, in her well, she's mid thirties. Uh, she she was a You're little little girl at the time. She's watching with my wife, and she's hearing. Just is is that man going to hurt daddy? <laughs> like, you know, he was, but Thurman and I and I embraced Thurman. I mean, Thurman. We, through the years, you, that's what happens. Bill Polian 
you know, became, I mean, he was a guy that, you know, I scream would scream at me in his office over something, some story I broke that he didn't want out there. And, you know, the gum would spit out, you know, fly out of his mouth and all this, but he's an emotional guy. It's an emotional game, different times. Um, and it's, and everybody's too sophisticated now. It's too, it's too calm and too, too, too easy going. But, uh, but to the point of comparing these teams, Sean has got them dialed to his thing and he's so good. I mean, he's just such a, I think a good leader of men. Is he a defensive genius mastermind? He's good at that. And and they had a really good defense last year, but what, what would you, you guys look at him when you list the qualities of Sean McDermott is great defensive mind, like super genius defensive guy. Is that number one or is it, leader of men. And I, I think it's leader of men. Two things really jump out that convince me of Sean McDermott's sustainability as a great coach and a great leader to your point. Number one, something he said about Stefan Diggs. And in the last month or so, we've seen, you know, the story of Stefan Diggs get told in a more, much more broad way. I mean, he really opened up in that ESPN interview. He's been opening up with us on the zoom calls. I feel like the last couple months and, right. you know, he was looking for something where he can trust and 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 kind of have it be a reciprocal reciprocal thing with the coaches wherever he was going to end up playing. And I asked Sean about that. I'm like, how did that process take place? And he said, Well, I feel like we have genuine people and we allow people to be who they are. And I think that that is so huge, especially in this day and age where you're dealing with you know, people that have all these different interests and all these different things available to them, obviously a little bit less in COVID times. And then there's also this piece where he's evolved and learned in his role. I think a lot of times there's this expectations for coaches who come into their, their jobs to be great head coaches the second they start. And right. I think that it takes time when it's your first gig. And Sean's been upfront about that. He's had to learn how to do it. And his game management in year four compared to year one, I think is has to be one of the biggest causes for hope going forward. I think you're right, Matt. There's been a lot of – he talks about this growth mindset and development. It's Those aren't just words to him. They mean something. And in many ways, he is talking about himself. So, so game management would be one thing. But I'll, I will tell you this, um, you're, the impatience in this league with team owners is extreme. It is expected that you're going to hit the ground running, at least build credible in the first year because of all this astronomical multi-million dollar contract money that is being doled out to coaches and the staffs and the coordinators. So there has to be something that represents hope and promise right away. Hey, he was not uh, you think he was sleeping real comfortably during a during a, a six and ten follow up to a a playoff year that we all know wasn't gonna shouldn't have really happened. They they couldn't have backed in anymore. It was a fluke. It was off schedule. You, it was supposed to be a you know a gradual climb. Um, and last year was closer to what it should have been in year three. What we're seeing now is more evolution, and that follows the track obviously of Josh Allen's development. But to your point, you mentioned about Diggs. Diggs is buying in and, and his performance. Okay, let's state the obvious. He's getting the ball thrown to him. Gets it thrown to him a lot. That makes him happy. Receivers are happy when the ball is thrown to them. They're less happy when it's not. And let's, let's just get bottom line there. And that's where it starts. But 
I genuinely think, as he has said, he's got that camaraderie, that attachment to Josh, to the other offensive players. He wants to be a positive force in the receiver room. Chad Hall, the receiver coach, definitely connected with him and feels he's the best guy who's guided him. And like you, I've talked to people in his past, other coaches at the college level uh, from Minnesota. They say nothing but great things as far as the team guy that he is. But ultimately, what leads him to Buffalo, led him to Buffalo, was wanting opportunity and not believing, you know, whether he thought it was going to a run dominated thing or whatever, not believing it was going to be what he has now. So Sean, but that's, that's allowed Sean to, uh, it, cause he trusts who's calling the shots and putting him in position to succeed. We can do this all night, my friend. I, uh, <laughs> I really do miss you. Uh, I missed this, the, here. the everyday, uh, routine of it. And you just see so many different faces and, you know, especially for me, I work for the Syracuse Post Standard, as does Ryan, obviously. And, you know, we're not in Syracuse, so we don't have that. So, I mean, we really become like coworkers. And to your point, earlier point, camaraderie, uh, it's certainly missed. But before I let you get out of here, why don't you sure. let everybody know where they can find you, where they can find your work, what you got going on, and anything you want to you shout out. Sure. So Buffalo News, uh, and, you know, hopefully uh, in addition to reading your fine coverage as well, uh, you are, you know, ours is subscriber based, and and uh, so you could uh, subscribe to uh, uh, Buffalo News, and I think they they've got all, all always have all kinds of deals going on, uh, and and you can uh, be in Blitz, get the app on your phone, all that. You can you can see the work, and again, it's a great team. I I, I can't say it enough. Jay Skursky, Mark Gaunt, Jason Wolf. Jason Wolf just won a, a national writing award for a great piece on Ty and Secchi. And Josh Barnett, our executive sports editor, just kicks butt in terms of putting it all together. And the support, Mike Conley, our executive editor, they, they, you can't do this unless people are giving you, as you know, you guys know, resources, right? They, you, you know, what you're doing now and all the work you guys do. And I, and you, and I'm not blowing smoke. You work your butts off, both of you. Uh, you're, you're active out there. I, I, you do a lot more on social media than I do, but I like, you're, you're, I know I, I put a lot of likes on your takes because you're you're dialed in and you and you do it beautifully and I, I love to see that. Uh, Sirius XM NFL Radio every Saturday in season from uh, 11 a.m. usually Eastern time till uh, till two and then off season it, it's 10 a.m. till uh, two. We we add an extra hour, but uh, it's all year round and I've been doing that. This is going on 16 or 17. 17 season. I started it in 04 when the channel signed on. Uh, and that's been a blast because you talk about the whole league and you get callers from everywhere who are, who know their teams inside out. So it's, it's, you're talking ball for three or four hours. And uh, so that's, uh, that's, that's the fun stuff, man. We, we are blessed to, to do what we do and, cha- and also channel two, uh, Adam Benini and company. We, we, we I regularly do uh, stuff with them. Well, we are making it through the Buffalo News roster. Uh, Vic Carucci, Mark Gone, Jay Skirsky, all have been guests in the show. We're going to get Jason Wolf on here eventually. Maybe we'll, we'll, we'll look for the offseason off and, and get some of his, because he, he tells those really good feature stories, to your point. Uh, get some time to really dive into uh, a lot of that work. But a great team over there. And I think that there's this common misconception that, you know, traditionally, like, competitors probably wouldn't do all the collaborating that you see in the world today. But you know, I just think that there, this is such a rabid fan base and there's so many talented people that cover this team. 
get it from all angles because most fan bases, it's just not like this. No, that's very true. Um, that you're right. You're right too. And in the, the, and I, Again, I, I hate to do that when I was a young guy, but but back in the day, I mean, you didn't have the platforms, obviously. And it was the whole thought I had from you know through college to starting the job to, to actually getting a job was this would be a print thing only. I didn't even radio, TV, anything like that. You didn't consider that. And they were there were pioneers uh, of the late Will McDonough being one from the Boston Globe and others who did this crossover thing. Adam Schefter for years, I just knew as a guy who covered Denver Broncos and we were great friends on the beat. And then we were working together at NFL.com, uh, excuse me, many years ago. Uh, so you see the change in the crossover, but the, but the, the melding of this, like you say, doing it together, it's very simple. If you like the people you're around and I do like you guys, you do this stuff. It's, it's kind of easy. Maybe some shows you won't do, or some appearances you won't make just because you don't have the same relationships but the relationships matter. And there are a lot, I am happy to say, the Bills beat is loaded with some real fun, uh, good-hearted good and good-natured people who I think, generally speaking, uh, you know, not only get along, but actually you know, like to see others succeed. And, and this is the age thing. I like to see, there was a time when I was young enough in this business where I, I go to a Larry Felser or a Will McDonough in Boston and, you know, this, and just, I don't know what I'm doing and I'm lost and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm trying to find my way in this business and they give you advice or, or they just give you confidence, a little encouragement. Um, that's all. Some, that's all it takes sometimes just a little encouragement. And there's nothing wrong with that, man. We, we, you know, so, so I, so I, how many years you've been doing this, Matt? About 10 maybe now. Okay. So 32 years from now when, when, I mean, I'm probably not here, but <laughs> But but 32 years from now, I want you to tell me you still love doing this or or talk to me. Look up at. Well, hopefully you look it up at the sky when you say that. That's awesome. Sound good. Does that sound like a plan? Sounds like a plan. <laughs> I was going to let Ryan come in here with a final thought, but he's kind of. Ryan, give me a final thought. Yeah, yeah, final thought. Uh, Bill's Mafia. This has been a special season. Uh, you've been doing your part as well. You know, season of giving, you, you've donated to several great causes this year. Uh, big shout out to our friend Del Reed over at 26 Shirts, who just surpassed $1 million in sales. Uh, kudos to him and all the good that he does. But, you know, just a quick shout out to the Bills Mafia for all that they've done, uh, not just this year, but over the years in this time of need for a lot of people. They always go above and beyond. So, just wanted to give them a shout out and a happy a wish of happy holidays to all of them. Awesome yeah. stuff. Merry and yes, Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy everything to every. Is fest today was Festivus? Festivus, yeah. yes. Festivus, the rest of us. Yeah. Okay, got that too. <laughs> oh, you got it, Vic. Well, thank you so much, my friend, for taking some time. My, thank you, thank you for having me on. And one of these days, uh, we can we may actually bump elbows again in the media room, dude. It'll it'll be. Uh, It'll be a welcome uh, sight for sore eyes. Uh, it's been a it's been a long COVID season. I, I've appreciated the time with family, as I know you have as well. And Ryan, yeah. it'll be nice to get back to some normalcy. For Ryan Talbot, Vic Carucci, I am Matt Perino. As always, you know the spiel. Spotify, Google, Stitcher, Apple. Subscribe, rate, and review. We really appreciate it. The Shout Buffalo Football Podcast next week. Speaking of award winners, we're going to have uh, Toronto's John Crick 
Uh, he's going to be on the show. We're going to talk a lot of, uh, you know, different uh, NFL storylines, obviously some bills. Uh, we'll probably have another guest in there as well, but we will be back then. Uh, we will also um, have a couple shows, I believe, this weekend. I'm going to Boston, I think. It's a 24-hour trip. I'm going to drive. I'm going to go to the game. I'm going to come back. Um, so there will be there'll be some ideas. There might be a pregame show. Stick with me. Uh, we're going to have some fun this weekend, hopefully. Masked up. I'm going to have a shield. I'm going to have a mask. It's going to be a crazy, uh, crazy thing. But we got to get ready, Vic, because – you know, playoffs here, you know, even with sure. two home games, there's a potential for, uh, you know, Kansas City trip. So I kind of want to run through the motion here. But we'll be back with you with tons of content over the next couple of weeks. Vic Carucci, Ryan Talbot, I'm Matt Perino. Have a great night. Ready for football? With every game a home game, Tops is ready for you with its TV a day giveaway. For six weeks, every day you shop is a new chance to win a massive 70-inch 4K TV. Shop Tops for the best deals in town. In-